Welcome back to the Healthy Business Podcast, where we can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. I uh, want to thank Jeff Krushka one more time for the previous episode interview. He is the director at BS and PCPAs, and we got a lot of attention on uh, the topic of the uh, PPP, the Payroll Protection Program, and uh, got uh, one of the uh, reporters from Buffalo Business First listening into the podcast, Dan Miner, and uh, he uh, was so interested in the topic, he ended up uh, doing a write-up on Jeff Krushka. So I'm glad to see that Jeff got a little, even a little more attention. Uh, after the podcast. Next up, we have Dr. Dominic Berardi of Berardi Dentistry. And uh, dentists used to have one of the most safe and stable occupations, but uh, post-COVID-19, they are now ranked three occupations out of four. Three of the top four most dangerous occupations are in the dentist industry Dr. Berardi is going to tell us more about that and the future of dentistry and how it's going to affect you. So next interview, I hope you enjoy. Have a great day. And remember, always support the small businesses out there. They need your help. Okay, I'm here with Dr. Dominic Berardi. He's the owner of Berardi Dentistry. Dr. Dominic, thanks for coming in. And uh, if you could first uh, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and about uh, Berardi Dentistry. Well, you're very welcome, Tony. Uh, pleasure to meet you. I know you've talked to my sister and uh, yeah, speaks highly of you. So I hope we have a nice conversation. Um, you got a family of uh, entrepreneurs. <laughs> entrepreneurs. I'm a little older than her, about four or five years. So um, I've been out of dental school. I think it'll be 27 years next month. So um, I did something back in 1990. I got out in 93, did a year residency. So in 94, I did something a little unusual even for back then. It's, it's highly unusual now was to start a business from scratch in, in the dental field. So uh, I had a good friend that uh, I did my residency program with, and we decided we were going to open up our own practice. Now, whether you're in dental school, medical school, optometry school, there, there is no business education. So, you know, it's baptism by fire. So you, know, you get two young guys, you walk into the bank and you say, Hey, you know, we want to start a business, a dental practice, a business. So uh, they were very eager, unbeknownst to us, to, to lend us money, you know, and we thought hey, it's two young guys, we don't have two nickels to rub together came up with a rudimentary business plan and they were, they were very willing through the SBA. So I've dealt with the SBA before to loan us some money. So long story short, um, filled out the application and, you know, scratched my head and said, why are you guys so eager to loan money to two guys that have nothing but student loan debts? And they said, well, dental offices don't fail. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they handed us a check for, I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. And uh, we had already done the numbers. We knew what it was going to cost, you know, as far as our rent and, equipment and startup costs. The big problem was when you start a business from scratch, like a dental office, you have no patients. Okay? You have no customers. <laughs> so here we are in this nice new office. And now we have to put on not just the, the dentist hat, we have to put on the, the, the entrepreneur hat. How do we bring people into the practice? So the first couple of years, it was, it was a little disheartening. I remember um, after the first year, my, my, my business income was minus $14,000. And I thought to myself, 
geez, you know, I always heard that dentists make a lot of money and live this great lifestyle. And here I am, you know, in the hole of 14 grand. Now, fortunately, you know, we both had, we both had wives that had uh, business degrees and were working and, you know, some income coming in. We also did uh, other jobs. We were working, you know, in the dental field. We weren't, you know, picking fruit or anything like that, but we were uh, working uh, for the county health department, part-time in other offices. So just to keep money coming in for personal finances, we did that until our business grew a little bit. Uh, about three years in, we, we bought a practice, somebody else's practice, which is more typical of what someone would do if they want to get into the dental field. So there was a dentist that was retiring. We bought his practice. And all of a sudden, we had an influx of patients, which helped tremendously. Um, after about five years, we kind of split ways amicably. Uh, we're still pretty good friends. We were kind of going in different directions business-wise. And we had to, the practice set up where was two separate practices sharing the space. So it wasn't too hard to break apart. Uh, that was in late 99. I moved to my current location on Worley. I ended up purchasing a, uh, a business condo and moved over there. And I've been there for just over 20 years. Um, along the way to grow, you know, through, through natural growth of, of referrals and a little bit of advertising and marketing, um, I've purchased another three or four practices of retiree dentists along the way. So that's a really good way to, to build your patient pool up um, and, and get an influx of, of, of customers. So um, as the business grew, you know, I added employees. Um, fortunately, my wife uh, is, is an accountant. She has an accounting degree and she has a, an MBA. So I always lean on her. Uh, and right now she pretty much runs the show uh, financially after our, uh, our youngest started kindergarten, which was, she's 18 now, so it's, it's been quite a while. Um, I kind of talked her into starting to work for me and, and incrementally over the years, she's picked up a bigger role to her. Right now she runs, runs the business where it's taken a, a big load off of, off of me. I can concentrate on what I want to do, what I like to do, which is that's, practice. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, before the COVID-19 crisis, how many employees did you have and uh, what adjustments have you had to make uh, while we're in this crisis? Well, currently I still have everybody employed. They're all on, aside from my wife, they're all on unemployment. I have uh, eight staff members um, between, you know, front desk uh, workers, uh, assistants and dental hygienists. And then I have another, uh, a do another doctor in my practice part-time who's a dental associate. So, um, fortunately, she's been able to work. She has another part-time job in a, uh, in, a, in a health clinic setting. So she's been working a little bit. So at least she has some income coming in. Uh, but everybody else is on unemployment. And uh, it's, it's a sweet deal with the extra $600 a week. So a lot of these uh, <laughs> are really eager to come back to work. You know, So I shouldn't say that. But I, may, I keep in contact with them. I'm trying to keep everybody engaged and up-to-date. Um, the, the healthcare scenario right now seems to be changing. It's not even day to day. It's, it's almost hour to hour and mm. a lot of speculation out there. And, and right now that's pretty much what it is speculation. I don't think anything concrete has come out yet. Um, there are some big hints of what, what things will look like uh, medically and, and dentally um, that make sense, but there's a lot of wild stuff out there and you know how in a crisis, uh, the, the, the vultures come out and people try, 
you know, selling you products and gimmicks. You're going to need this. You're going to need that. And we don't know exactly what we're going to need yet. So, you know, my advice talking to my colleagues is let's, let's be patient here and let's see what the official recommendations are from the American Dental Association, the State Department of Health before we, we, we get out of control with, uh, you know, what we need versus you know, what we're going to need. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, Let's dive into that a little bit because uh, dentistry sounds like it's far more hazardous than it used yes. to be with yes. uh, with with COVID nineteen around and and no vaccination or anything like that. So uh, let's assume we all can get back to work mid May, uh, early June, something like that. What adjustments do you see uh, immediately that you're going to need to to make? And then and then let's let's dive a little deeper into maybe longer term. Sure. Well, first of all, um, OSHA came out with the OSHA pyramid, you know, and the bottom of the pyramid was low risk and you had your moderate risk, high risk, and then very high risk professions. Dentistry was considered very high risk. I think mm. there were three others, uh, respiratory therapy, anesthesia, anything that you have to engage the oral cavity um, and, and have a, a breath or cough come out uh, is going to be high risk. So of the four professions, um, that uh, are the highest risk. Number one was dental hygienist. Wow. Number two was respiratory therapist. Three was dental assistant. Four was dentist. So we have three of the top four. Wow. And the reason is, if you've been to the dentist, which I'm sure you have, when you when you open your mouth and I start my drill, it it engages water into your mouth and air, and it releases a vapor, a, a mist, so a, a cloud of potentially hazardous vapor into the air. Uh, when you get your teeth cleaned, um, a lot of times a hygienist will use an ultrasonic cleaner. That even releases more of a, of a vapor. And the problem on the dental hygienist end, they usually don't have an assistant with them. They're usually working solo. Uh, at least with me, I have somebody suctioning with a high-powered suction. Some of that mist where they don't, they have a little you know, saliva ejector, we call it, which is about half the, the suction power. So they're going to release more of this vapor in the air. And the problem is, you know, it's, it's going to move throughout the office. So um, the question is, how do we contain that? How do we, how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our patients? How do we protect people in the waiting room? You know, so it, it, it's a big problem. Um, there are some things that we've done in the past. Uh, for instance, I can have, if you came in for a cleaning, I can have you rinse your mouth with some Listerine. There are some prescription strength rinses that would lower your bacterial load in your mouth. And then when we cleaned your teeth, we would release you know, less bacteria in there. This is, this is a virus. So uh, there are some treatments that are being recommended that are pretty inexpensive. Uh, some, some, some concoctions of rinses that may, uh, that may reduce the viral load. Uh, things that look very promising that, that have been used in, in Japan and Germany, uh, almost like a standard of care there. And I think that's going to, it's going to happen um, in the U.S. The, the big problem that I see is you know, if, if on May 15th, they say, hey, turn on the lights, everybody go back to work, whether it's the hospitals, your medical office, a dental office, there's no PPE. So, and PPE just for people who don't know. Right. It's a protective, personal protective equipment. So your gloves, your masks, gowns, things like that. Um, the standard is going to change. So when you go to the doctor now or you go to the dentist, you know, you ordinarily I'll wear um, lab coat, a mask, gloves, obviously. Um, I mean, gloves came into the picture. I mean, you're probably old enough for, to remember as a kid, the dentist didn't wear gloves. Mm -hmm. So I think that was 86. So when I started dental school, it had just come into 
into play, uh, gloves and masks. So that was during the HIV crisis. So fast forward 30 plus years, you know, that's still the standard of care. We wear gloves and masks and usually eye protection. But now, you know, they want the N95 mask, which uh, there seems to be in the last week or two a little bit more of a prevalence of it. So I think there's manufacturers out there that are really cranking the production lines up. Um, face shields, you're going to see almost like a welder style face shield, uh, probably a bouffant type hair thing, uh, gowns, and you know, the, this, I keep using the word speculation. I even wrote it down in my notes in big capital letters. There's a lot of speculation on how to evacuate that mist I talked about a couple of minutes ago. Um, the practicality of turning every room in my office into a surgical type suite that you would see in a hospital, it, it's, it's not practical. Um, you, I don't think you can ask every dentist in the country to snap your fingers and turn a room into a negative pressure room like you would have in an operating room. Um, I think A, it, it, it time-wise would take a while because the equipment isn't there. Uh, B, the cost of it would be astronomical, of course, in the business setting that's going to be passed on to the consumer. Um, you know, and, and then C, it's educating us how to perform that particular procedure under you know, uh, these new guidelines. So you know, what we're scratching our head about is, okay, well, you know, for, for, for medicine and dentistry, the way insurance works, this is kind of a whole if I could just touch on it real quickly, you know, we sign up for insurance plans and it's much more prevalent in medicine, just about everybody's covered in insurance. Dentistry, it's about 50-50, but you know, the reason when you go to your doctor now, you get that 10-15 minute visit versus, or sometimes it's even quicker than that. Sometimes it's like a lightning round is because, you know, they've signed up with your insurance, which, you know, I'm not vilifying every insurance company, but you know, it's a lower reimbursement rate than what you would normally pay. Uh, the, the guarantee is, well, sign up with, we'll say, just independent health. We'll provide you with a pool of patients at this lower rate. So to make it work, you have to look at your numbers and say, well, I was taking my regular fee. I can see four patients an hour. Since I'm taking half of what I would normally make and my expenses go up and the rate stays the same or sometimes even lowers, it becomes a, a, a treadmill. So now I have to see 10 patients an hour. So um, it kind of works the same way in dentistry, where when we sign up for an insurance company, you know, we see the rates never increase, our expenses increase. So, you know, when we go back to looking at changing our operatories into these surgical suites, we have to think, geez, on the bottom line here, can I make this work? Mm, yeah. can, I, can I take this fee and have, you know, an extra, you know, 7 to $10, you know, considering PPE, if I add extra suction and vacuum systems and aerosol cleaners, who knows, it could be an extra $30, $40 per patient. And then, you know, the extra time, can I make this work? And that's kind of where we are right now. There's a big upheaval. There's a lot of confusion um, amongst my peers and colleagues. We just don't know how this is going to pan out. My guess is in the end, as the dust settles, you know, practicality always comes back into play. Um, you know, once you implement things, it's hard to reverse, it's hard to reverse this. So if they want us to wear hazmat suits and you know, turn our, 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 our ops into surgical suites, when this virus uh, is not as threatening, what do we do? Do we reverse that? Probably not. I mean, it, it, 
consider, I mean, you know, you're in business that usually does not happen. So uh, going forward, I think at the, at the end of the day with any business, any kind of change gets dumped on the consumer. So I would look for costs to increase. I mean, it's going to cost me a lot more to provide the service. So the patient is going to end up uh, absorbing that. So it's, it's, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be what you are used to. Uh, oh. if that that was a long yeah no I, no thank you that, that was that was very helpful thank you um <laughs> basically what i'm hearing is that the, the the whole dentist industry is is being turned upside down and turned upside down yeah. and the business model is going to change totally different business model totally wow. different business model. yeah i can see you know maybe looking at insurances and saying I, I i can't do this anymore i can you can come to my office with your insurance uh you may have to pay my fee and we'll submit and you'll get reimbursed uh, at home. That may be something that more and more offices will have to look at. I don't know. Um, if, if, it, if it comes full circle where the PPE is more readily available and the cost of it comes down, I doubt that'll happen. But um, if it becomes more efficient and, it, and we don't have to turn our room into surgical suites where we just have to be uh, a little more cautious, you know, maybe uh, take an extra few minutes wiping things down and making sure the the rooms are a little more sanitary than perhaps you know the 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 death blow isn't we'll call it that the punch in the stomach isn't isn't that deadly and uh we get back to a, a more normal flow you know the thing with dentistry which i think which is why i got into it separates us from medicine um you know we're doing surgical procedures even though it's a filling it's a surgical procedure in the office and it's 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 a little more intimate in the relationship you have with your customer than you do with medicine. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time with my patients over the last, you know, 20 plus, 25 plus years, uh, where we can have conversations like you and I are having in the dental office. And, you know, how does that happen when I'm working in somebody's mouth? You'd be surprised that it does happen. <laughs> but you know, there is, there's time for the back and forth and you get to know people. It's a, it's more intimate. It's more intimate um, relationship than, than, you know, with your endocrinologist or your, you know, your ENT. Um, so to change that for us, you know, gowning us up like a, a hazmat worker and scaring the heck out of everyone, mm. it, it, it's really disheartening because I don't practice like that. I don't want to practice like that. It's not that I'm saying I, I want to, I, I don't want to follow guidelines to keep everybody healthy, but I think part of the reason people come to me is that and my staff, we engage you as an individual, you know, Hey, how are you? Not just, let me look at your teeth. It's how are you as a person? We talk about your health, your family's health, you know, everything from sports to lawn care. I mean, we, we really have a nice time and I don't want to lose that personal touch. It mm. really means a lot to me. And that's, that scares me more than anything. Um, yeah. It's, I, I don't want, you know, a car wash assembly line type business. So, um, yeah, that's, I hope. that's, uh, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that too. Uh, it, it appears, you know, just to kind of go back to where uh, you started with uh, uh, when you started and, and the bankers were so free to, to, to just sh give you that money. Yeah, It might be the absolute opposite. Now it could be one of the most risky businesses for a banker to, right. to invest. Right. That is interesting. Now, not only do you have to deal with, um, uh, just uh, easing the fear 
of a customer of, you know, coming in for a cleaning, what have you, uh, but, but your employees as well. And, um, and I'm sure that'll be a struggle. You know, how, how much have, how much time have you had to think that through or perhaps to talk to some of your employees about that? Um, I've had quite a lot of time now. It's been five weeks. Um, I've, I've contacted all of them individually and as a group. Um, and I try to keep everybody abreast of what's going on and, and they're doing, a, they're doing their due diligence too. Everybody's kind of, you know, nose to the grindstone, um, you know, ear, ear to the speaker, I should say, um, trying to watch and listen to things that are being proposed. And, you know, we know as a, as a team, we're going to have to attack this um, from the front desk back. Um, you know, the last couple of days, interestingly, um, I've heard, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this acronym, uh, POC, point of contact. Um, there's some testing that they're trying to develop where um, if you were to walk in my office, I can quickly test you, have a staffer do it, quickly test you to see whether or not you're positive or negative for the virus. Um, if you're negative, come on back. I hope it's business as usual. If somebody's positive, you know, of course, you'd have to refuse or reschedule treatment. Uh, that seems to be, like I said, in the last couple of days, and this is changing hour to hour, where there may be some, some segue into, you know, a more practical or realistic solution. Um, and if that's the case, I think for staff members, it's going to ease a lot of tension. Uh, you know, they're, they're just as scared as the patients. Uh, of course, you know, when I, when I shut down, I did it about 24 hours before it became official. Um, the ADA came out on a Monday night. I think it was March 16th. On the 15th on Sunday, I was talking to a, one of my best friends who's also a dentist. And we decided, you know, going back and forth that, geez, this is getting out of hand. You know, we, we knew we were in a high-risk field. And, and the question was, you know, if we stay open, and I get a phone call next week from a patient saying, hey, you know, I had my teeth cleaned by your hygienist and, you know, um, I, I've come down with, with, with coronavirus. Um, I would have to, first of all, tell my hygienist, hey, you know, Mary Sue, you cleaned your teeth last week. She's uh, positive for coronavirus. You're going to have to go into isolation. We're going to have to go into isolation. And now I have to contact every patient who was in the office that day. They're going to have to go into isolation. So this you know, this snowball effect was just overwhelming mentally. I didn't yeah, want to put yeah. anybody in that situation. Mm. It was not worth it. I mean, unless it was a really bad dental emergency, you know, your, your, your cavity that you have today, and I'm not trying to downplay you know, dental, dental caries or dental disease, it's going to be there in a couple of weeks. Your teeth being cleaned if we had to wait a month, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I'd rather put that off and, and, concentrate on your overall general health. So I thought that was more important. So I closed down uh, that Wednesday morning and I called everybody into the break room and I said, look, here's what we're going to do. Um, it's Monday morning. We're going to see the first few patients, but uh, I'm going to have the front desk uh, staff start calling people. We're going to start canceling. And a lot of them looked at me like I had, you know, horns rolled out of my head. And I explained why, just as I, as I did to you, why it was important. Uh, because I figured, you know, if this, if this doesn't come down from a you know, top level down and we're left on our own to do this, uh, 
there's no end to this. You know, you wait the two weeks, you come back to work, you start working again. Maybe I come, come down with it. Then it's the same thing. Everybody has to isolate. There's, there was no good end to this. So I think the right decision was made. I think we had to take a little bit of a pause. The problem now is getting back into the swing. Uh, again, you know, where do we get the, the, the necessary PPE? Uh, and how do we, how do we restart uh, these businesses that have, and that's not just dental. I mean, it's everybody. How do, we, how do you restart your business where you've been sitting for, it's five weeks now. May 15th, it'll be eight. Um, I have a feeling some businesses, maybe some office type work will go back, but you know, in dental, if we're high risk, we're not going back on May 15th. It's especially New York state. It's not going to happen. Right. Right. So if it's July, I mean, we're talking, how do I accommodate patients that have been sitting for three months along with the ones that are already there? So we have some strategies and some ideas. There've been some, some really good national webinars. There are some groups that keep everybody involved. Um, they've been fantastic. So they're, they're, you know, we'll get through it. It's just, it's going to be an extremely difficult challenge. And at 52 years old, it wasn't what I was thinking. Was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, I can also see um, some docs, you know, if, if they're in their sixties and seventies, maybe just saying, you know what, I'm done. Mm-hmm. 68 years old. I was I'm doing it for the heck of it right now because I, I enjoy what I do. I love my patients and uh, I'm out. So that's going to be a challenge um, for the younger dentists. I think even more so, uh, you know, they're just starting out a lot of student loans to pay off. They're, 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 they're getting married, buying houses, starting families. That's a bigger problem, at least in, you know, in, in, in my age, you know, those of us in our fifties and, and, and early sixties, um, you know, we're kind of settled in. So, you know, it's not, a, a, it's not a tremendous death blow. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a big speed bump. That yeah, really it, it sure is. Cause I can, gosh, I can think through different scenarios where uh, one uh, customers won't want to come in just for the regular cleaning because they're afraid, uh, afraid. W- which means then they're only going to come in when they have a cavity or when it's right. really hurting. Uh, I could also see to your point, uh, uh, people who just want to shut it down because it's now too expensive. Owners want to just shut it down. And now we have this shortage of, of dentists and, and, you know, and all of that. And, and uh, this, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see what the new normal is. Yeah. It's an evolving problem, an evolving situation. Um, you know, water always runs downhill and, and it's going to wash some stuff away, but we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. I mean, ultimately there are enough dentists in the area. This, this area has um, a high density of dental professionals. Uh, you know, we have a fantastic dental school uh, at UB. And, um, you know, a lot of people end up for, for whatever reason, you know, they, when they're in dental school and they, they come into Buffalo and they're not from Buffalo and they diss Buffalo and they don't like Buffalo, you'd be, you'd be surprised how many people stay in Buffalo. So a lot of, a lot of especially downstaters, you know, find it uh, more affordable, more family friendly. Uh, they like the people and, and, and they stay. So we have a, a, a high level of dental professionals here. It's it, it actually, we're, we're blessed. There are just some fantastic dentists in this area. Um, some world renowned dentists. And uh, I don't think the average, average Western New Yorker knows that, but you know, you, you, you we're really in a good situation in, in this area. The school's fantastic. Uh, it, it is, it's a, it's a high level research Institute. 
and it cranks out just, just great dental clinicians. I mean, I can't say enough about it. So we're really in a good spot and it'll, it'll work for us. It'll work for us. Well, that's good um, to hear. Yeah. That's good to hear. And it, and it, and it just might really work for you. I mean, as you had mentioned, I interviewed uh, your sister, Rosanna, uh, you, you have a father who was a business owner as well. Yeah. And, uh, you guys are very entrepreneurial and there's going to be a lot of opportunities with all of this change going on. So, uh, you know, this might actually work out for you as an entrepreneur too. I think, I think in the end it will, um, you know, part of the reason I got into dentistry was, you know, my, my parents were hairdressers. I don't know if she told you that. And I saw the relationship they had with their customers because back in the, you know, the seventies and eighties, um, as a kid being in that, that, that shop, um, you know, women used to get their hair done a couple times a week. It's not like now where you, you know, get your hair cut and you don't come back for a month or two. Um, they used to get the fancy hairdos with the hair nets. And, you know, so they would see these, these people quite regularly once or twice a week. So they really had a nice relationship with these customers. And, you know, as a kid, I, I didn't, you, know, you don't realize that until you get a little older. So when I was in college, you know, as a, as a bio major, um, I wanted to do something with bio. I love science. And I wanted to do so I thought, you know, how can I merge the entrepreneurial aspect of it, do what my father and mother do and have a, a, a you know, intimate relationship with people, but still be a scientist. And I, dentistry just seemed to be the merging of the two, a great, a great mesh. And it has been, so I've kind of followed up and uh, you know, I do a lot of the things that, that my dad, you know, my, my dad was hysterical because he retired in 2006 he sold his his business and closed the shop but he um he rented a chair from another hairdresser because he still had this faction of little old ladies that were very reliant on tony to do he was also tony to do their hair and uh you know a lot of them at the time were widows and what he would do is he would go and pick them up at their house drive them to the shop and sit them in this chair he rented, do their hair, and take them home. You know, so I mean, I don't really plan on doing that with you know, I'm not gonna pick you up and clean your teeth. But I just thought, you know, as a as a business model, my God, how much more like think about it, how much more personal care can you get? That's great service right there. It's so about as good that. as it gets. He did that until my mother got, you know, my mother was ill until the point where he had to, you know, pretty much take care of her 24-7. But it was hysterical and you know. Um, to kind of close on that thought, some of those, those elderly ladies became my patients. And I remember just, just a couple of years ago, there was a woman who was my dad's customer for like 50 years. And she ended up in, a, in an assistant living place and he hadn't seen her in a while, but she was coming into my office because a lot of the, the nursing homes will bring patients to me. They'll have a service that, you know, can deliver them and we're handicap accessible. I can bring a patient right in with a wheelchair. So it's no problem. Well, he had come in that day for a, for a cleaning and she was there and he hadn't seen her in a few years. And I tell you, it was, my staff was in tears. It was something to see this reunion of people who had this intimate relation that was based upon a, a service. It was a business service, you know? So it was really cool. And it, you know, I keep that in the back of my mind when I, when I treat my patients that, um, you know, the relationship my parents had with their customers is kind of the same thing I have with mine. And that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. I mean, I consider myself a good dentist too, but I think I, I deliver a little bit more personal care um, than, than a lot. And, that, and I think that came from, from 
watching my parents, you know, over the years. Excellent. And, uh, that's, you know, it's, that, that's a great story. Yeah, uh, it is a cool you. story. Thank you for that. Um, that, that is a, a good learning as well, uh, for, for any business owner. I mean, it really comes down to service, great it service. Is. And it ultimately is. that that's how a business will thrive. Right. Um, two more questions for you. Quarantine. Yeah. We're all quarantined right now. Who, who are you quarantined with and how's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have three children who are all college age. Um, my, my eldest is a, uh, he's a, doctoral student in uh, polymer science at the University of Michigan. And he's come home. Uh, he's been home for about five weeks. And I tell you, this poor guy is, I feel so he's like a caged animal. <laughs> he's been in his old bedroom, itching to go back to school. Uh, and I have two others. I have a, my second eldest is a senior at Canisius College. He's graduating. He's not having a graduation. So, you know, kind of feel for him. And then my daughter's a freshman at Canisius College. So they've all been home doing the online learning. And uh, my wife has been running the business. So we have our, our business phone forwarded to her cell phone. So if anybody calls, I get my wife, Maria. And I tell you, she's been fantastic. Uh, she's actually taken the ball and kind of run with it. We've had an opportunity now uh, for five weeks to, okay, how do, what do we do to make our business better? Uh, more accessible, more vibrant when we get back. We're in the process of redoing our website. So, you know, to try to, I'm sure you've had to do this while you're working. It's not an easy task. So to have this little bit of cushion of time, it's a curse, but it's also been a blessing. We've been able to do some things and restructure to make ourselves a little bit better. So we've all been together and it's kind of worked out. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. I don't think I'm ever going to have a time where I have the five of us together in this house again. So, you know, we're all eating dinner together. When I go to bed at night, I don't have to worry about all right, it's uh, midnight. Who's not home? You know, looking in the bedroom. Okay, waiting for the door to open, and you know, you sleep yeah. with one eye open when your kids are older. So I haven't had to do that. I haven't, I've been sleeping better. It's been good. It's yes, been really yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I am enjoying it as well. I thought for sure because I have three kids at home too, all older and college age and all that. And I thought for sure that we'd be all dead by now, and it wouldn't be COVID nineteen that did it. Right. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm a bunch of crazy Italians in a house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually, you know, I, we're talking more than ever, which is wonderful. Right. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been fun. Now, you had mentioned that uh, you're doing some of you, what you're doing with some of your spare time. But uh, to uh, go a little deeper in that, um, now that we all have a little spare time at home, what are you what are you doing with it? What are you watching? What are you how are you spending it? You know, I, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, I haven't been a Netflix junk, junkie or anything like that. I, I, I do watch TV, but I tend to, you know, maybe an hour before I go to bed, that's when I unwind. So um, I've been extremely busy. I mean, there are things, you know, you know, as an entrepreneur that, that they're always on the back burner. And, you know, I find myself like yesterday juggling four or five different little things uh, regarding my business. So, you know, um, I've been, I've, I've been trying to do that. Um, I, I really enjoy exercise. I'm doing a lot of exercising. Okay. My wife is good. She's sick of hearing me say this, but she's not around. So I'm going to say this. I haven't been this weight since high school. Okay. Right. And she keeps telling me to shut up. <laughs> but <laughs> I exercise every day. I'm moving around a lot more. Um, and, you know, the weather hasn't been that great, but, you know, I like to get outside and do things in the yard and the garage and stuff like that. So um, I've used the, you know, five nice days in five weeks, I've maximized them. So 
Uh, I, I've kept busy, you know, in and out of the house. So it's, it's been like a nice, I don't know, is this going to be what retirement is like? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's not, it's not horrible. You know, it's, it's what you make of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. You know, and just flick a channel all day. I mean, that would get boring. But, you know, I've, I've read a couple of books. I've watched some things on TV. Um, so, you know, I've kept really busy. Good for you. Really Good for you. You're making the most out of it. Um, yeah. If somebody wanted to be a patient for, uh, of Dr. Dominic Berardi, how, how would we get a hold of you? Well, right now, uh, the best thing to do is, is call the office, uh, 633-2327, or, you know, go through the website, uh, BerardiDentistry.com. Look at they're calling already. They're calling already, yeah. <laughs> Our home number. Nobody ever calls the home number. Amazing. I don't even know why. It's usually a telemarketer, but... Uh, but uh, that's the best way. Um, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago about people being apprehensive to come back. And, you know, at least on our end, my wife has, has talked to dozens and dozens of our patients. And it's funny because a lot of people want to come in right now. Like, I can't get my teeth cleaned, you know. <laughs> and they're the, and they're, there are a lot of our elderly patients, too, which you would think that they'd be the most apprehensive. So, uh, but we have had a few that have questioned. And I think that what you, the point you, you brought up before is going to really factor in. There's going to be uh, a segment of the population, not just in my office, they're going to be a little fearful to go back to the dentist. And, and I can't blame them. I can't blame them until the dust settles. Um, you know, fear is, 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 the, is the, the currency that the media loves to play with. And I, and I, and I by no means am downplaying the, the seriousness of this virus, but, you know, uh, when you look at the numbers, I mean, the denominator of this, if you've watched over the last few days, has really grown. I mean, there, there have been tests out in, I think USC did a test where they found that 4% of the population in, in LA County has antibodies. So that means hundreds of thousands or even millions of patients or people have had, have had this, this been exposed to this bug. So I think as we see that, you know, it's not as, as, deadly as we first thought and, and the dust settles, people will come back around. Um, you know, we just have to make sure that we provide uh, an area that's safe, an environment that's safe for, for not just our, our staff, but our patients, and they can get the services and the healthcare that they need. Um, you know, every doctor's office, every, every hospital, aside from, you know, COVID patients has been closed uh, for the last five weeks. So people aren't getting chemotherapy. They're not getting you know, what they deem elective surgery, if you, in a lot of these cases, if you're not getting an elective surgery, that turns into a serious health problem. I mean, it could be a bypass, uh, it could be a stent for an artery, uh, you know, so the repercussions down the line of these people becoming chronically ill or, or even having fatalities, um, it's something we're going to have to look at. And I know that, you know, a lot of talk about how to reopen and when to reopen is, that's really come to the forefront. So I hope, you know, we do this in a, in a practical common sense manner, but these, these problems are going to have to be addressed sooner than later. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, Dr. Dominic Berardi, owner of Berardi Dentistry. Thank you very much for coming in. That was a, a great interview and gave thank us you, a lot Toby. of great information. It's a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure meeting you too. You take care. All right.